Super Talk Mississippi media production. If you're feeling anxious about your investments with all the economic volatility and chaos in Washington, tune in to Super Talk Jackson on Wednesdays from 9 to 10 a.m. and Sundays from 8.30 to 9.30 a.m. for Element Wealth Radio with Jeremy Nelson. Learn more at myelementwealth.com. Welcome into the Wednesday edition of the Rebel Report. I'm Michael Borky. Thank you for making the show a part of your day in college football, my friends. Not dead yet. We had a questionable start of the week. We had a really rough weekend, as we talked about on Monday. We are not dead just yet. The Big 12 steps in, and at least for now, saves the day. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about uh, what it means, of course, for the SEC and Ole Miss. And some observations I've made about the way this thing has been covered. All that's coming your way, but first, I always want to remind you that the podcast is brought to you by LBs just across from Kroger on University Avenue. Um, Go by, see Greg, tell him we sent you. Best place in Mississippi to buy your meat. Get one of their daily lunch specials. It's only Wednesday if you're listening to this on time, so you've got a couple more days this week to go by and get a daily lunch special. Let them do the cooking for you if you don't feel like doing it yourself. So stop by and see Greg. Tell him we sent you LBs there in Oxford, the best place in Mississippi to buy your meat. Weather this weekend should be beautiful. Uh, So get something to put on the grill to enjoy the really nice summer weather we have and the relief of knowing that at least around here they're going to try to put on college football. But first, another first, here's a programming note for you. Um, I'm scheduled to be off Uh, Thursday, Friday, and Monday from the radio show, which means potentially I I will not do a a Friday edition of the podcast. I'm going to bring my microphone with me, so if I either feel compelled or have a little bit of time uh, while we're at the beach, um, I'll do an episode. If anything breaks or anything like that, I'm going to have my microphone with me. So just a heads up in case there's no Friday episode, you're not crazy I am scheduled to be off. I'm going to have my mic with me, though, uh, just in case something happens. And uh, I'll see. I want to to do a Friday show for you. Uh, I'm pre-recording the Sunday show uh, right now, if you are are a radio listener. Um, And Richard and Haydad will be fine without me on the radio show. But um, the the plan is to be off. Tentatively right now, probably not going to have a Friday show. But I'm going to to try. I have the desire to do it. So basically wait and see if there's no Friday episode, though you know why. So let's dive right in. College football, like I said, is not dead just yet. The Big 12, uh, in a vote last night, decided to try to push forward with a delayed start to the season. Not until the spring. They're going to start the same weekend at the end of September that the SEC is planning on starting. At some point today, Apparently, they're going to release a schedule, but that's not important. I don't really care about their schedule release. I just care about the fact that they're going to try to play a season. It is a big deal. This saves the SEC. It's basically an optics situation. Uh, I listened to Greg Sankey's interview on the Dan Patrick Show yesterday, and it sounded like the Big 12, and a lot of people reported on the fact that the Big 12 was kind kind of the linchpin in the entire thing. Um, and, and applying context to things that Sankey didn't actually say, it sounds like that they needed a majority of the Power Five to feel comfortable pushing forward together. That if it was three against two in favor of shutting down the ACC and the SEC, we're going to have a hard time justify 
justifying playing this season. They wanted that majority to make their decision a lot easier. Maybe they would have pushed on without the Big 12. In fact, it's possible that they would have pushed on without the Big 12. But it certainly feels like they needed that majority three against two were going to play in order to feel comfortable enough to push on without much backlash. You're still seeing backlash, of course, because people have no idea how to apply nuance and context to decisions like the ones that the Big 12 made yesterday and like the ones that the ACC and the SEC have made recently, and that's to try to continue to play. There's no such thing as nuance anymore and understanding that um, you can have the same data and come to different conclusions and that be okay when it comes to something like this. But that's something that I want to get to a little bit later on. This is big for the SEC because the optics are easier to navigate. And I don't know if that would have shut them down or not, but I I promise you that is a factor in this. Having the majority three Power Five conferences trying to play versus the two that are not instead of the alternative uh, means something. And most people agree that this is what, at least for now, has saved the college football season. So what's next? They're going to push on. Uh, The... Greg Sankey has made it clear that right now their medical people are telling them they do not have to shut it down, that they do not have to make a decision today, so they're not going to do it. ACC, the same thing. They were told by their medical people, the chair of their medical advisory board, keep this in the back of your mind, is an infectious disease specialist from Duke University, told them that they he feels comfortable with them trying to play. National trends, knock on wood, national trends are going in the right direction right now. The Big Ten commissioner yesterday, Kevin Warren, said cases are spiking. Uh, nationally, that's that's just false. That's either a lie or that's ignorance. Cases are not spiking, knock on wood, they are going in the positive direction. He could have said they're, they're too high, and that would have been fine. I would have understood that completely. But when he said cases are spiking right now, that is that's just false. It's simply not true. The national trend is good. They're still too high. They wouldn't play a season today with how everything is currently today, but they are headed, trending in the appropriate direction. So what's next is we need that trend to continue. And it's going to sound a little silly, but all of us need to continue doing our part. The state of Mississippi's trends are going in the right direction. Most of you listening are from the state of Mississippi, although we do have a listener base that's kind of scattered around the South, which is kind of cool. A lot of Ole Miss fans uh, scattered around listening to this podcast, which is awesome, and I appreciate you. But uh, what states need to continue to do their part. People need to continue to do their part because trends are going in the appropriate direction. They're going in the right direction. They are going down. Mississippi, they're going down. Nationally, they're going down. That needs to continue. If that continues, there's a great chance that the season gets played. If the campuses are able to keep the students away from each other, to not have a major outbreak on campus, they're doing majority online learning, which is great if you want the season to happen. That needs, that needs to take place. There can be no outbreaks on campuses, no major ones. Of course, the students are going to get it and pass it to each other, but they've got to be able to isolate it and make sure it's not sweeping. And the football teams have to do the right thing. That's the biggest, biggest thing here is the football teams, now that they've been given the green light to go ahead and try to play a season, there can't be a slip-up. 
They can't have a Miami Marlins situation. They can't go to the, the, the strip club, which is where the Marlins went. At least that was some uh, rumor on social media. They can't go out and, and put themselves in compromising situations. There's a possibility that there are going to be some positive tests. In fact, you should expect that there's going to be some positive tests. But they can't come from compromising places, and they have to protect themselves and their team. Because once an outbreak happens on a couple of campuses and within a couple of teams, it's over. It's over. So they have to do the right thing. And so far, it seems like after the first wave of them returning to campus, they have done the right thing. A bunch of LSU players went to a party. A bunch of them got coronavirus. They've learned their lesson, haven't had an outbreak since. Some Ole Miss players went to a party. There was a scare about an outbreak a while ago uh, with Ole Miss football players. I haven't heard anything about there being one since. They have to continue to do the right thing. Don't go to the party, even though it sucks to ask a college kid not to do that. But when it comes down to it, that's what it's going to take. If they want to play a season, they've got to do the right thing. So what's next? The national trends have to continue to go down as they are. Um, The campuses have to avoid outbreak. They have to follow their protocols closely and The students have to abide by them. And the team has to do the same thing. They've been given the green light. They can go ahead and try to play. They have to do the right thing or else this this thing is all over. And turning the page here a little bit, uh, one major question that I've seen so often, especially from people in the sports media business, is how are there different conferences making different decisions when they're all being advised by medical people. And basic intellect or just standard common sense would tell you that the medical community may not agree on how to handle football when it comes to a virus that is extremely new. I mean, our first confirmed case in the United States was like in March early March. Um, It's still very new. The medical community often doesn't agree on everything. I suffered a neck injury playing football in high school, and I talked to three different doctors. One of them looked at my scans and, like, reached out to another doctor and said, "I I think it's this, but I need to find out from you, you know, what's going on. My bum ankle that I just heard a couple of weeks ago, I talked to two different doctors in the same place because one of them was like, hey, you know, I, I just want to ask my co-worker here what he thinks we should do. Medical people often come to different conclusions about the same problem. So why should, I mean, we all should have expected there to be differences of opinion in the medical field when it comes to how to handle coronavirus. And there's only slightly different. It's not like it's some stark, massive difference between what the Big Ten doctors are telling them and what the SEC and ACC doctors are telling them. It's just a slight difference between the two. And and you have these people, Dan Wolken, Stuart Mandel, and Darren Rovell last night, who tried to equate the ACC's doctor's decision with politics. And that's what's happening, right? That's what these people, these people that swear up and down, they're not rooting against football season. And 
I do believe that they're not rooting against football. However, these people are politically driven. They, in their minds, are so wrapped up in the politics of everything that they just simply cannot fathom. They can't fathom that a doctor would think opposite of what their biases say should be the truth. So these people that cover college football, they're, they're arrogant, they act like they're smarter than you, they're not rooting against football season, but the way they've carried themselves, and especially when it comes to this, is why people think that they're rooting against football season. They're so not self-aware. They're so completely unaware of how they carry themselves and how they present themselves to you that they have no idea why people think they're rooting against football season. But when Darren Rovell and Stuart Mandel and, and Dan Wilkin and these people that say, oh, well, the SEC and the ACC doctors better uh, come out and explain exactly why they're saying the season can go on because this doesn't make any sense. No, it doesn't make any sense to you because you are only agreeing with the doctors that confirm your biases. There is, this should have been expected. The Pac-12 doctors saying shut it down does not mean they are, they're wrong. It just means that's what they think. The ACC doctors saying, hey, it's going to be tough. It's going to be really tough, but we think you can push on. It doesn't mean they're wrong either. It means they're both supremely qualified groups of medical people that came to a slightly different conclusion than the other one. Implying that an infectious disease specialist and the chair of the ACC committee is politically driven or is out here actively lying uh, to, to preserve a football season, putting their life, their career, everything they've worked for their entire life on the line to lie to save football season for Duke? Give me a break. And that's why people think you're rooting against football season. Because you have that opinion. Instead of having any shred of common sense and the ability to think, of th- think about things critically and with some nuance and say, hey, look, they have groups of doctors that are, are coming to separate conclusions. That's okay. Make the decision that you think is best for you. And when it comes to a new virus and how to handle it, uh, some medical people are going to have differences of opinion than others. And if you're trying to be honest, which is what I'm trying to do with you, I'm trying to be honest and give you my honest opinion and thoughts about this. If you're trying to be honest with yourself and you're covering college football, the only logical and truthful thing that you can draw from this is that the medical the medical field, medical doctors, are not driven by anything other than trying to find the truth and give their honest assessment of the situation. That's it. That's all that's happening here. Oh, how can they come to different conclusions? It doesn't make any sense. Well, it, you're smart, right? You at least try to give that persona and talk down to people. You went to Northwestern, right? Or Syracuse or wherever the hell, Missouri, these great journalism schools. You're smart, right? Use your head. Think for a second. Do you honestly believe, honestly believe that an infectious disease specialist from Duke University is lying or misleading in order to save a football season? Say that out loud. Do you think the infectious disease doctor from Duke University is driven by Trump. And that's why he wants to save football, because Trump tweeted he wants to save football. Think critically. Is that what's going on here? Of course not. 
There is nothing wrong at all. There's nothing wrong with the medical people at the Pac-12 saying one thing and the medical people with the ACC saying something slightly different. This should have been expected. But I don't know, guys. I'm sure I I am probably just telling you something you already know because all of you um, are able to think critically and understand that this is a new thing and and some people are going to disagree. And I've also seen some people imply that, uh, well, the doctors in the SEC, um, they're dumber than the doctors in the Pac-12. <laughs> I mean, oh, wow. To be that ignorant um, is, is mind-blowing. I mean, honestly, to think that the ACC doctors are dumber than the Pac-12 doctors, and that's why they've come to their conclusion. <laughs> I mean, oh, wow. Um, to be just that ignorant is um, it's almost a gift, honestly. So, uh, this is not an easy decision. It's not. The Pac-12 doctors telling them to shut it down, that was not easy for them to do. I don't think they wanted to do that, but that's what their medical opinion told them to do. And by the way, the Pac-12 was going to be in a huge mess. Apparently, Chip Kelly was able to go to the facility for the first time, like yesterday. I mean, Ed Orgeron's been in Baton Rouge, I mean, since March. I mean, they never really left. They did, but not for long. So this is an incredibly difficult decision. It's not an easy decision. I saw a columnist from the USA Today, not Dan Wolken, suggest that the Pac-12 and the Big Ten made the right decision. Well, how the hell do you know? It's not easy. It's not cut and dry. And this columnist certainly does not know more then I keep saying this out loud because I guess people need to just understand exactly who they're saying is wrong here. An infectious disease specialist from Duke University. You do not know more than them. But it's just confirming biases. It sucks for the Big Ten and the Pac-12. To me, I, I don't think they had to cancel right away. This is just my opinion. I don't know more than the doctors and the people at the that are on the medical advisory boards of the Pac-12 and the Big Ten. But when the presidents are voting on this, in my opinion, they could have tried a delayed start of the season. I mean, wouldn't that have have made some sense? Not trying to start three weeks from now or on time? I mean, what, what would be so wrong with starting on October 4th, or at least tentatively scheduling your season to begin on October 4th. National trends are going in the appropriate direction. What happens if if your students come to campus and they do the right thing, and there is no outbreak, and your players don't really get it? You, there was more time. They could have taken more time before outright cancellation, in my opinion. They could have taken more time because what happens if national trends keep going down and the kids on your campus don't spread it to each other? And on top of that, according to the Wisconsin Athletic Director Barry Alvarez, they're going to be doing uh, team workouts. They're still going to get 20 hours a week to work out. So everything is going to be the same. They're still going to go to class. They're still going to work out with the team. So nothing has changed except for the games? Is that really what's going on here? Uh, That doesn't make sense to me either. If it's not safe to play football, it's not safe to practice football in any way. 
there's something more at play here when it comes to the president's decision. Not the doctors, but when it comes to the president's decision. I think a a factor of this, um, in part, is structure. I don't know how much this means uh, or how much of a factor it played, but I do honestly believe that in some way, shape, or form, they're more willing to punt this season because putting it on would acknowledge that the players are special and that they are not regular students. And that means something. The commissioner of the Big Ten said it without saying it. He talked about how they're amateurs. They're not pros. We would do it if they were pros, but they're not. They're amateurs. They want to preserve that model. And if that's not true, I think it's undeniable that they waited to make a decision they already knew they were going to make until after it was probably too late for players to transfer and your roster to get decimated. I think they don't plan on actually playing in the spring. It's a pipe dream. Um, You want to talk about player safety, and you're canceling the season because of player safety, but yet you're going to turn around and ask these kids to play two full seasons and half the time in between? Two full seasons in one year? That doesn't... That's not safe at all. That's, That's dangerous. It really is. I've seen... A former NFL offensive lineman who does media now, his name's Jeff Schwartz, and he's not the only one, that have said that two seasons in one year, is it's not viable. Their bodies can't take it. It's not viable. And there's no guarantee that things are going to be better to where you can have a full season come February anyway. So I think they don't truly intend on playing a spring football season. I think they delayed the decision. They This decision was made a week ago or more. But they delayed it. They strung the kids along because now they're enrolled in school. In some cases, they're taking classes. They're all moved in. It's probably too late to transfer anywhere else. I think that has, that has something to do with it as well. I think you'd be crazy not to think that that at least was the reason for the delayed decision. So now what should happen? You have three conferences that are going to play. You have three conferences that, uh, or two conferences that are not. So now what? I think, number one, most importantly, even though, like I said, it's probably too late to transfer, and that just makes you wonder why they waited so long to make this decision when they knew this is what they were going to do. Players should be given blanket, immediate eligibility anywhere. That should be something that is given. If a player from Michigan wants to transfer and play at Auburn, he should be given immediate eligibility. That should be a no-brainer. If a player wants to play college football and his school is no longer playing college football, he should be given an opportunity freely to enter and enroll in a new school and play right away. That should be an absolute no-brainer. But the skeptic in me thinks it's not going to happen. Because if you're the NCAA, uh, are they really going to allow Ohio State's roster 
to be decimated and recruited by everyone. Because Ohio State, they recruit the same way Alabama and LSU do. Their roster, 1 through 85, are is just absolutely filled with guys that are plug and play right away at most SEC schools, all of them. And at all the other ones, they are at least plug and have a role type player at every SEC school. I mean, Ole Miss would trade its entire roster for Ohio State. Um, so, is the NCAA going to allow Ohio State's roster and Michigan's roster and all the other ones to be actively recruited and decimated by the SEC and the ACC and the Big 12 schools that need people to fill some holes in their roster? Uh, my answer, I think, is no. I think they wouldn't allow that to happen. They should, but I don't think they will. But that's not right in and of itself. I mean, that's dead wrong, right? Uh, to just ban immediate transfers uh, from or for kids that are leaving a school that's not playing football, that doesn't seem right either. It's a tough spot that they're in. But if I was Ole Miss, I'm calling everybody. <laughs> everybody, especially on defense. If a Big Ten team has a guy that plays defense, I'm calling him. I'm calling every single player on Ohio State's roster that plays defense. The calls have already been made if I'm Lane Kiffin. You've got a natural tie-in with Michigan. You've got a former Michigan coach on your, on your staff now. Calling every single player on Michigan's defense. All of them. I'm recruiting all of them. And the likelihood of them being able to transfer is probably very small, but damn it, I'm making the phone calls. If I'm Lane Kiffin, I am instructing my staff to recruit the hell out of the entire Big Ten. Ole Miss has, they're in a situation, a better situation than most schools in order, or when it comes to this right here. They have roster spots available. Which, again, underscores something that needs to be repeated over and over and over again because Lane Kiffin's recruiting strategy uh, is just talked about so much by people on social media that just can't handle the fact that Lane Kiffin is not going to just sign Mississippi kids just to sign them to either build up a class ranking or just fill a roster with kids that he knows aren't good enough to play in the SEC. And for some reason, people just don't have a grasp on that. Like, you don't sign kids just to sign them. And now, of course, he didn't, uh, he's not building his roster this way to just in case a pandemic comes around. But this is why you don't sign kids just to sign kids. Because when an opportunity comes and there's a transfer available, it gives you a free window to go do that. You don't have to have attrition, you don't have to process a kid now. Ole Miss has. My, my guess would be double-digit roster spots right now. They could go get a defensive tackle from Michigan and a linebacker from Ohio State if they could pull it off and bring them in right away without disrupting anything. But if they took the strategy uh, that um, was previously done at Ole Miss and just signed a class of 25 Mississippi kids because, damn it, we just love Mississippi players. Even though they're not worth a damn and they can't play in the SEC, we're going to sign them anyway because they didn't take that strategy in the last recruiting cycle, they have roster spots open. And even if they can't pull it off this year, I have seen already a lot of people suggest that there are 
players that are recruited by Big Ten schools currently, their current recruits being recruited by Big Ten schools, or actively at one of these places that would rather just go somewhere else because they don't think their their conference and their school cares about them and their football career. This is a recruiting advantage now. Even if they're not able to pull off a transfer right now, they could get one in January. Guys are going to be looking to leave where they are to go somewhere that's more committed to football than where they are. That's absolutely going to happen. Ole Miss now has the roster spots to take in some of these kids. It may not be possible right now. It may be hard to do, but it's available for them. And it's available for them because they didn't panic in recruiting and they didn't sign kids that they know were never going to contribute like coaches of Ole Miss past. Because that absolutely did happen. They had, Ole Miss had multiple recruiting cycles where they signed kids that they knew would never contribute. That happened. That's not happening anymore. And now there's roster spots available to go get these kids from the Big Ten. If I were LSU, I'm blowing Justin Fields' phone up all day long. They need a quarterback. He needs a home. I'm blowing his phone up. And hell, if I was LSU, I'd be calling Master Teague, too. Ohio State's high-level running back. Calling him, too. You guys need a home? We're playing ball down here. Both of you will start right away. For the reigning national champions. You need a home? I got a home for you. That's what I, if I'm Lane Kiffin, I'm calling everybody. If I'm Lane Kiffin and his staff, I am calling every recruit in Big Ten country that you think you can get. And you just hammer home in their mind. Hey, our, our guys are, they're committed to playing ball. You know when you come here, you're going to have a season. That's what I would say, even if it's not true. I mean, things can change. But I'm hammering that point home. If the SEC is able to play a season, and it's a big if, there's a lot of hurdles they got to jump through. Even the ACC's doctor said it's going to be hard. It's a lot of, lot of hurdles they've got to jump through in order to make it happen. But if they're able to do it, and you jump over hurdles, not through them, you jump through hoops. I'm an idiot. Um, this can help them. If if a season's able to be played, this will really help Ole Miss in recruiting in this next cycle and potentially nabbing some transfers. But I'm absolutely on the phone nonstop trying to get these kids. Although that does feel um, like some wishful thinking. Um, the logistics of it just are, are not good as far as Transferring and trying to get a kid in um, in time to play a season, it just certainly feels like the Big Ten waited and waited uh, to avoid roster decimation because now it, it it probably just won't happen. Probably can't happen. Uh, so a lot of people have asked me about that. I think, again, if I were them, I'd be on the phone. I'd be calling nonstop, seeing what I can get. But there's no guarantee that they can transfer to a place that is having football, you know? I mean, what happens if they transfer to an SEC school and the season shuts down in the SEC as well? So, I don't know. It's tough. Uh, I would be calling, though. I, I would try if I were them. Kind of wishful thinking on my part. I think it will help if they can put a season on in some way. Absolutely, I think that's true. Um, but transfers now, that's tough. Um, 
the skeptic in me or the cynic in me thinks it was done by design. But I would have a hard time. Uh, I thought about a counter to that, and I'm having a hard time with it. Uh, They knew the decision. They knew what their decision was before. um, Before they made it. So, anyway. All right, that's it for me. Thank you so much for uh, tuning in on this Wednesday. I really appreciate all of you guys uh, and and, uh, subscribing and rating and reviewing and all that good stuff and listening uh, every day and... Hopefully, I'll be able to do a show Friday. Not 100% sure if that's going to be something I can pull off, but I am hoping to do that. So, um, if this is the last time I talk to you this week, I will talk to you again on Monday night. Uh, But uh, until then, have a great rest of your week, and I'll talk to you again soon. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.